This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 93, recorded April 18th, 2012. Our first, most cherished liberty. Welcome to Prairie Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Hey, Father. How you doing there? Good. Uh, well, I welcome you to this week, you, Father, but also the listeners, to uh, this week's episode. Um, and just real quick, the business, Father, if you can see the video, Father is just mocking the, uh, the, the, let's see, random nature of our opens. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, we always look for feedback at Prayer Room Companion. And I have yet, Father, I still don't have an email. Remember last week's contest? Really? Yes. Some, some, wow. Somebody has not listened to just the first few minutes of our incredible podcast from last week. So if you're listening to this and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you should go back and listen to the open of last week's podcast because there might be something there for you. Um, but in any case, contest or not, we always welcome your feedback, your ideas for topics, and so on. Um, you can you can give that information to us by emailing me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. How's that, Father? That's professional. Thank you, Father. <laughs> so, uh, the topic we're going to discuss today is a recent statement from the U.S. Bishops' Conference, uh, specifically from their Ad Hoc Committee for Religious Liberty, which we'll explain uh, momentarily. What does Ad Hoc mean? Ad Hoc means uh, just created for a specific purpose. Okay. For this. Towards this? Yeah, for this, towards this. Um, the document's title is Our First Most Cherished Liberty, A Statement on Religious Liberty. And the, the context, the most recent context for this statement goes back to January when, the, when, when President Obama's administration um, announced that under the health care plan um, that every health care plan has to cover uh, certain things, including contraceptives, sterilization, um, and some contraceptives, contraceptives which can uh, induce abortions. And the, this has been had been discussed for several months, and and the uh, U.S. bishops had made clear their their uh, their hope and confidence that the uh, right to religious freedom, which has always been recognized in these sorts of contexts, would continue to be recognized. Uh, I think, much to their surprise, to the surprise of many, but not all, the Obama administration. Um, said no and said that all employers must cover it. The quote-unquote exemption that was allowed was very narrow, so narrow that basically only um, churches that um, only employ members of their religion and only serve members of their religion were exempt from this mandate. The, the shorthand is the HHS mandate, the Health and Human Services mandate. Uh, the bishops responded uh, with uh -huh. unity all of the uh, diocesan bishops um, agreed that this was um, an attack on religious liberty, and uh, ever since then, Father, um, they've they've been calling our attention to it, asking for prayer and fasting. In fact, we even had a, a day of uh, fasting back in the end of March. For that regard, mm. yeah. So, so this is something which has been um, 
definitely uh, on the front burner as part of all, uh, as, as far as the bishops of the United States are concerned. And now we have this document which came out last week, uh, Easter week, from this ad hoc committee. So this is a committee that was established last fall. The the, the bishops, as, as a as a group of the United the bishops of the United States, had seen that there were increasing threats to religious liberty. Um, and and so this committee was established uh, uh, consisting of a number of bishops from around the country uh, in order to be attentive to and give guidance to the the, the other bishops on on uh, matters pertaining to religious liberty and so this this document is sort of um, Father, you used the term before we went on the air, launching pad. It's the launching pad for the next phase of the bishop's um, efforts to educate and um, call forth for action on the part of the church throughout the country. I believe you refer to it as the end of the beginning. Yep. yep. So as we sort of, again, this is, the bishops have not let up, it may not be, you know, obviously it's not always, um, uh, called attention to in, in bishop's statements and so on, but it's definitely remained in the forefront of their concerns as far as uh, what's going on in the, going on in the church uh, in our country in general. Um, Father, your initial just uh, any, your initial thoughts or your general thoughts rather on this uh, this statement. Uh, it, it, it's a very thorough statement, uh, I think, in, in a certain way. Um, it's uh, it's it has multi uh, just different points, different parts to it. Um, I, one thing I do like about it is it does have uh, one concrete examples of things they're concerned about, and two kind of a concrete uh, plan of action, at least initial plan of action, as far as like regards the fortnight of religious teach or uh, fortnight for religious freedom. Fortnight for freedom, right? Um, yeah, I thought to your first point, um, examples. You know, I think one thing in the public uh, and the, the politics, in the sense of this, uh, some some groups have tried to frame this as a, as an issue of contraception. That this is just the church, uh, the Catholic Church, which we already know, so to speak, um, is outdated on when it comes to its teaching of contraception. This is just a matter of contraception, and it's the church trying to impose its teachings and contraception on the rest of society. We've already discussed the uh, really the, the complete error of, of that argument. Uh, what this statement does is show how really the HHA's mandate is just one of several different actions which both state and federal government has been taking um, and other organizations as well, but uh, actions that have been taken which threaten the religious liberty, not just of Catholics, but of all Americans. Right. Um, one, of the, one of the examples that really struck me is the, um, a, 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 a law from the state of Alabama um, with regard to immigration. Um, it, from uh, this is a statement from uh, the Bishop, Archbishop of Mobile, Alabama, um, Archbishop Thomas Rody or Rodi, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. It says this new Alabama law makes it illegal for a Catholic priest to baptize, hear the confession of, celebrate the sacrament, the anointing of the sick with, or preach the word of God to an undocumented immigrant. So what some people consider an uh, illegal alien, an undocumented immigrant, somebody who's come into this law uh, into the country 
um, not through the proper legal channels. It will be illegal for a Catholic priest to hear their confession or give them the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Yeah, that's 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 pretty tough. But that's that's I mean, once once a law is written in that way, I mean, that's the choice that's made. Right, right. And and so other examples are by writing of the law in that way. Right. Yep. And as you said, there are any were there other examples that you really uh, any any that you. Um, that was the probably one. I've, I've, I'm familiar with the mandate, but the uh, the details of that Alabama immigration law, for instance, um, surprised me. Well, and also to me, the uh, issue of uh, uh, Christian students on campuses, or just any faith-based student on campuses, uh, and here they they give the example of California Hastings College of Law, but also uh, interesting is the uh, Vanderbilt University uh, has now like. Redesigned their uh, student policies for student groups to say that any student organization on campus must be open to uh, any student being elite, having leadership position there. So you can't qualify someone out of leadership positions. Yeah, not just membership, but even leadership. Yeah, right. Not just membership, but leadership. So essentially, means that uh, you know uh, people could show up to um, depending on how the people could show up to the. Uh, you know, um, uh, a group that promotes uh, an, an anti-defamation league club, if there is such a thing, I don't know. And uh, you could have uh, KKK members show up and rig the election and get one of their own members elected president of the anti-defamation league club. Right. And so, uh, like, and for instance, uh, I know the Vanderbilt Catholic group uh, there, who I, I know the priest who's in charge of that, Father Johnson's Baker, uh, they've removed themselves uh, from being an official university club, and now the, the university then says, well, you cannot use uh, the name Vanderbilt in your title, among other things. I know, and then apparently some other uh, Christian organizations on that campus have just submitted their bylaws without any changes, without the required changes, and so we're gonna, so they're going to see how that's going to go as well. But that's, the case is kind of just... Uh, dear to my own heart. Right. Um, there have been other instances that the, the statement refers to how various um, uh, humanitarian services, various Catholic charities uh, in different states um, have basically had been forced out of business of, for instance, adoption because of state laws saying that you must uh, be open to placing adoption in uh, gays and lesbian couple um, households. Uh, which is something which which Catholic charities uh, certainly are, do, do not support, and yet the law is saying that you have to be able to do that. So now you've seen Catholic charities of Illinois, Boston, uh, and I think elsewhere as well, basically having to stop doing a, 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 a something that's good for the community because um, of of these, um, frankly, attacks on their religious freedom. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a difficult, uh, difficult situation in that one. You know, I think, Father, we, we, so this is the second time we've talked about this recently. In the way that we're talking about it, we're very... Um, uh, careful? Even, even, yeah, careful and even keeled. But this is serious. I mean, I, I don't think... I, 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 it's important that people not misunderstand our tone to mean that this is just some, um, you know... Well, uh, some some small you know quibble or some technicality um, that that really only 
priests and theologians and people into this sort of thing we care about. The statement itself said, uh, this is how it, the first subheading, religious liberty under attack, concrete examples, says, is our most cherished freedom truly under, under threat? Sadly, it is. This is not a theological or legal dispute without real-world consequences. And it gives some of the examples, it gives the examples that we've been talking about and some others as well. So this is... This is real. As, as the statement says, it has real-world consequences, and, and we need to take it, need to take it seriously. It's going uh, to affect any Catholic that wants to own a, uh, run a company, own a job. It's going to affect their freedom to exercise uh, according to their own conscience in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of the – with regard to the mandate, a lot of the attention has been on – um, faith-based organizations, Catholic schools, Catholic hospitals, and so on. But if there's a Catholic Catholic layperson who owns a business and they provide uh, health insurance for their employees, they have no absolutely there is no quote unquote accommodation at all for right. them. Um, and, and that's that point's been made, but I think that needs to be uh, made again to remind people that basically the private individuals are being forced to actively pay for things which uh, go against their own moral beliefs. And that has not happened before. You can talk about taxes and maybe taxes going to things that, but that's, 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 a, that's a, a further degree of, of separation. This is where if I own a company and I provide health care, I have to pay for things that I find to be deeply immoral. And that's attack on my religious liberty. Very much so. That's, an, imp that's an imposition of that morality. Do, uh, right. And your freedom to do business, to be involved in the public square, the business square, as precisely a Catholic businesswoman or businessman. Right. Right. The, uh, the statement, the next heading for the statement, religious liberty is more than freedom of worship. You know, a number of commentators have observed for a while that uh, the, the, uh, the, the federal government has been talking more about freedom of worship than freedom of religion. And I think it was Cardinal George, I'm pretty sure it was Cardinal George in a statement back in January, noted that the Soviet Union had freedom of worship. You were free to worship in private in the Soviet, in communist Soviet Union uh, until the fall of, of communism, uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union. So to say that, we're, that, that, that religious, uh, or that, that, that the right to worship is guaranteed is not saying much. No. It's a, it's a Stalinistic minimal there. Exactly. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote in this heading from the Union of Orthodox Jewish Congregations of America. Again, talking, the context is with the HHS mandate, right. but talking about the, the broader uh, implications of this, this sort of action, uh, the broader implications of the steps that this, this mandate indicates in terms of the government's what the government sees as, as its right to impose certain views on um, on Americans. Uh, any any anything else from that or, or any of the following sections, Father, that you want to comment on? Um, not exactly. I can think of nothing specific in that regard. Okay. So, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, did I interrupt you? No. Okay. 
So the next section, the most cherished of American freedoms, just what this statement does a good job to me, Father, of doing is laying out the historical context of how this is something that we've always taken seriously as Americans, even prior to the Declaration of Independence, prior to the the constitutional conventions and the ratification of the Constitution. Um, as we know, just from general American history, many of the uh, the original European uh, Europeans who who came to America came precisely to escape religious persecution in Europe um, and and therefore made it uh, very much an important aspect of their life in the new world um, that they would have the right of religious liberty. Right. The, uh, uh, that even while there is you know, religious wars and fighting going on in Europe, Lord Baltimore and, Ma- and Maryland most especially, and uh, those who settled there were trying to establish you know, that place where there could be a pluralism or an allowance of uh, religion to be celebrated. And, you know, in a certain sense, um, you know, looking at this historical notion, this, this for maybe those of you that know history, um, makes you think of, in the time immediately after the Reformation, there was a saying, and maybe you can correct me on the Latin on this, uh, Dr. Bergwald, but uh, uh, that the religion of the king was the religion of the people. Yep. Remember the phrases in Latin? Cuius uh, regio, curius religio. Whose reign, whose religion. Okay. And so, uh, you know, in, in those times, so a certain sense that, uh, you know, you might have in certain maybe small pockets and areas in Germany, France, Switzerland, uh, where religious uh, affiliation, whether to Catholic or to Protestant, might change. Um, and uh, based upon um, uh, based upon your... Uh, uh, your leader, in a certain sense, what this you know this sort of precedence in American law, it sets up the idea then because it's all based on executive decision, right? Right. This is all based on executive decision. So in theory, you know, a uh, November twenty twelve, you elect a different leader, and they can enact something totally different that uh, you know offends someone else's religious sensibilities, not just Catholics, but someone else's, because this precedence has been set in this way. Does that make sense? It does. It, yeah. Again, the, the mentality is, and you know, obviously we don't know the, the the internal thinking, the mind and heart of individuals, but some people have observed that it seems that the mentality is that the government can grant, I'm going to accommodate your desire in terms of religious liberty or not. No, you, you don't. You, the the government does not have the power to accommodate to to grant uh, the right to religious liberty to anybody. That's a right that's already held, that is established by first and foremost natural law, God, natural law. But then it's recognized and enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Uh, and so the, the 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 no government, no organization, polit- uh, political or otherwise, can say, well, I'm going to. Uh, allow you to do this to recognize no 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 there we already have the relate to re, right to religious liberty as established and recognized by our constitution yes and the, the nice little quote there from uh, James Madison uh, regarding uh, when the Louisiana purchase was made and uh, John Carroll Archbishop Carroll the first uh, bishop of the United States solicited uh, James Madison's opinion on who um, who should uh, who should become the uh, uh, the first uh, bishop in the Louisiana Purchase area, or President Jefferson, I should say. 
And it was James Madison, his uh, Secretary of State, who responded by saying that, you know, this is a matter of the church's judgment and the scrupulous or the very careful policy of the Constitution in guarding against a political interference with religious affairs. Right. A very, uh, you know, certainly profound and simple way of describing uh, his understanding of the Constitution's notion of separation between religion and state. Right. Again, going back to the founders, this has always been the understanding. The next section uh, is titled Our Christian Teaching, uh, and it starts off by recognizing the civil rights movement. I mean, I think people know, I know people know this, I'm not going to be facetious. Obviously, Martin Luther King was an important uh, figure in the civil rights movement. The Reverend Dr. King. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was a Christian pastor who explicitly referred to Scripture and to early church fathers and to medieval uh, Christians like Thomas Aquinas. He, obviously, Dr. King was not Catholic, but he still referred to v- the, the common Christian teaching um, in in advocating for the civil rights movement. So, or so does that mean that the civil rights movement was wrong? Um, that, that, that somehow because you had a religious uh, figure uh, making religious arguments that, that it should not have been allowed? I mean, that's, that's sort of the, the conclusion that we would draw from what's going on today, isn't it? Well, it would seem that way, or it seemed that would be the attack, maybe not explicitly, but I think implicitly and certainly maybe a trajectory in that regard. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are some more things to, uh, to to talk about the reality of, of we've talked about this before but in January. There's explicit persecution going on in the church and other parts of the world, um, right? And, and we need to be attentive to that as well. Uh, but then there are near the end, Father, some specific um, calls to action, Call. some specific things that are offered in terms of of what we can actually do. You, you referred early on to the Fortnite for Freedom. Um, at the end of June, from June 21st to, Ju- to July 4th, Independence Day, 14 days, two weeks, a fortnight, uh, in which the, the ad hoc committee is inviting uh, the bishops of the country to drop particular attention to, um, to this issue and to highlight it in particular ways within their diocese, within the parish in their diocese. Um, and and we'll see what we who do in our diocese, but certainly I know that that this will, this call will be responded to in one way or another. Other things from the document in terms of practical uh, stuff that you would like to point out. Well, I'm just I mean, I'm really curious to see what that's going to take shape as. I mean, I don't know if we've really undertaken some sort of a uh, uniquely uh, American effort in that way, at least in, in my memory. Um, you know, certainly maybe some things during like the universal, the journey to holiness, the call to holiness in the millennium with Pope Benedict, but nothing quite with such a direct purpose as this seems to have. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that's done, especially given also some of the, the feast days that are within uh, that calendar in which it points out, you know, we have uh, St. John Vischer and St. Thomas More, you know, uh, they're, so, uh, be, be, they're feast days. And, you know, St. Saint, Saint John Fisher and St. Thomas More were uh, more especially quoted uh, by our own Bishop Swain. You know, I am uh, the king's good citizen, but God's first. Great, good servant, good servant. Even. Right. You know, and then we have the uh, the death of the martyrdom, uh, or the birth actually of Saint John the Baptist, right? Who yep. uh, was, uh, was was martyred by uh, 
uh, King Herod. We have uh, Saints Peter and Paul, you know, and the early martyrs of the Church of Rome. And then, of course, uh, uh, St. Thomas on July 3rd, and then culminating with American Independence Day. So who's St. John Fisher? He was a bishop in England uh, during uh, uh, ooh. Um, he's also in the time of the Reformation, and he was he the only bishop that would not sign the uh, oath yep. of succession? Yep. 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 So he was the only bishop uh, who would not sign the statement saying that King Henry VIII is the rightful ruler, the rightful leader of the church in England. Right. So like Thomas More, he was martyred for that. Yes. Uh, so he, as a bishop, as a cleric, Thomas More, as a layman, um, stood up for to their death for uh, the true and and well, tr the true faith of the church. There's a line from their father that struck me as well. Besides the fortnight, in the, there's also in November uh, the bishops are. The ad hoc committee is inviting the bishops to consider using the solemnity of, of Christ the King, Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, um, to to discuss this. But this is the this is the sentence. In addition to the summer's observance, we also urge that the solemnity of Christ the King, a feast born out of resistance to totalitarian incursions against religious liberty, be a day specifically employed by bishops and priests to preach against religious liberty, both here and abroad. So the history, I think it was Pius XII, maybe Pius XI, um, 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, in the context of Nazism and then communism, um, established this feast born out of resistance to totalitarian incursions against religious liberty. Just the invocation yeah. and the terminology there to, is, is powerful. Very much so. Um, the whole idea of totalitarian, uh, again, the, 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 uh, the idea that we have total control over everything about your life. Right. You know, and for, for, I think for people of our generation, yeah, I think Ron, that, that's the terminology that Ronald Reagan used uh, with regard to the to Soviet Union, to communism. Yeah. And now it's obviously being invoked because of, of threats the bishops see in our own country. Very much. Yeah, it was Pope uh, Pius XI in 1925. 25, okay, all right. Um, anything else in terms of practical suggestions that they make that you wanted to talk about? Or more about the fortnight? Well, it's a little more general practical uh, suggestion. Um, they use a particular phrase uh, they take from uh, Cardinal Roger Mahoney, the uh, retired uh, Cardinal Archbishop of uh, Los Angeles. And uh, one of the, the way that he phrases things, he says, I can't imagine uh, a more direct and frontal attack on the freedom of conscience than this ruling today. This decision must be fought against with all the energies that the, the Catholic community can muster. And uh, it's just, you know, that's, that's pretty strong phrasing, you know, to fight with all the energies we can muster. Uh, right. right. And so, again, I... I I don't know if we quite understand, uh, maybe all of us quite understand what it is we need to be fighting against or how to fight, but I think we should at the very least be mustering. <laughs> yeah. So what does that mean, Father? What, what, okay. Uh, to the... Well, there's ketchup and there's mustard. Yeah, exactly. What, so what do we do then? What, what, then do we, what then shall we do? Well, I think uh, very first that... Every Catholic has an obligation to themselves individually educate on this matter uh, to see what it is. I think also uh, to become, uh, first, as always, there's always a call for any of us, uh, lay Catholic, uh, 
out in the workforce, uh, priest or theologian is to greater life of conversion. Mm -hmm. uh, great acknowledgement that Jesus Christ alone is king of the universe and not my own head. Uh, but secondly, uh, I think then to educate ourselves, especially for the lay Catholic out in the workforce, because you're going to get in conversations that I or uh, even Dr. Bergwald can't get into just simply because uh, you know people don't open up or speak to us probably in the same way they do to you. Right. I think, and I think, and certainly, what the bishops continue to ask to do is pray and to fast um, yeah. to, for for this. Um, so I, I think uh, certainly Catholics should. I think it's sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, prayer and fasting. No, I mean <laughs> that prayer and fasting has real world consequences as well, and yeah. and so we shouldn't. I think we shouldn't allow ourselves to become overly fixated on political action. Or political activism in this context, we have to remember that there's there's a spiritual, very much a spiritual component to this as well, and 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 prayer and fasting are uh, things that we all need to be doing, that I need to be doing uh, more in this regard. Good point. Um, anything else that you uh, want to? Anything you uh, want to? You're good. You're good. But judging by my thumb, that is a. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very good. So. So I thought maybe, Father, as a way of concluding, there, um, I, I, I want to point people to, or recommend that people read this document, but in the context of, of our, what we're just saying about prayer, there's a prayer at the end, uh, a prayer for religious liberty um, that the bishops invite us to join in. They say, we invite you to join us in an urgent prayer for religious liberty, and then they give that prayer. And I wonder, Father, if you wouldn't mind, just as our conclusion, this will be the... I'll give you the last word, but uh, a word of prayer. Father, if you could uh, uh, pray this prayer, lead us in this prayer. Certainly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, Father of all nations, for freedom you have set us free in Christ Jesus. We praise you and bless you for the gift of religious liberty, the foundation of human rights, justice, and the common good. Grant to our leaders the wisdom to protect and promote our liberties. By your grace, may we have the courage to defend them for ourselves and for all those who live in this blessed land. We ask this through the intercession of Mary Immaculate, our patroness, and in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit with whom you live and reign, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.